Blog Talk Radio. Hello. Hello. We're here. Okay. April, are you there? Yep. Okay. There we go. Yeah, I'm here. All right. All right. Lawrence, just pick it up and go ahead there. The whole thing messed up. So just go ahead. Okay. Uh, I want to thank uh, Marty Oakley uh, for allowing us to come on and, and talk about what's going on at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Uh, thanks to Marcel Reed, uh, the whistleblower organization that has made all this possible. Tonight we have a, a very special guest, uh, Mrs. April Simpson, and uh, she's on the line. And in addition to that, I indicated that we're going to have like more or less like a conversation in lieu of, uh, of me asking all the questions and directing the questions. Uh, we also have uh, Mr. Michael Stovall. Uh, Michael Stovall has been on the show before. He is uh, a black farmer. He has uh, demonstrated in Washington, up and down the streets of Washington, D.C. I've even been down to Alabama demonstrating in, I think that's called Kelly Ingram Park. Uh, and have been moved by his leadership as he developed the independent black farmers. We also have, and I want to check to make sure uh, Mr. Wright is on. Uh, Mr. Wright, are you there? He's not yet, Lawrence. I'm watching for him. Okay. Okay, no. Um, and I, Mr. Lloyd Wright is uh, civil rights director, farmer, and advocate and has been doing this work and spent many years working at USDA and inside the Office of Civil Rights. But uh, first, uh, Marty, thank you for allowing us to be on. And I want to introduce our special guest, April Simpson. April Simpson joined the Center for Public Integrity in October of 2020 as a senior reporter covering racial equity. She was previously the rural issue reporter at Stateline, an initiative of the Pew 
Charitable Trust. Before joining Pew, April was editor of Current, where she covered public media and won recognition for her hashtag MeToo investigation of a veteran reporter. April was a U.S. Fulbright Fellow, amazing, in Botswana, Eastern Democratic Republic of the Congo Fellow with the International Women's Media Foundation and Innovation in Food and Agriculture Fellow with the National Press Foundation. April is a graduate of Smith College and the London School of Economics and Political Science. I want to say thank you, uh, Ms. Simpson, for what you have done. And I would like for you to tell us why the Center of Public Integrity took an interest in this issue of black farmers. Was that a personal thing? Or was it something that the organization thought was necessary? And, by the way, she did publish a story which covered called Biden Racial Equity Efforts for Farmers of Color Hit Legal Roadblocks. And the organization uh, re- reported this in their newsletter. So, April, uh, Ms. Simpson, can you tell us, How did this organization and you become so involved in this issue of black farmers and the racism against farmers and others at USDA? Sure, Um, and thank you for such a warm introduction, and and thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I, I became interested in, in agriculture issues at my previous job um, that you mentioned, which was at a state line um, in the service of the Pew Charitable Trust, where I covered rural issues. And, um, you know, through that beat, I tried to develop agriculture as a sub-beat. And with that reporting, um, you know, the Uniform uh, Partition of Heirs Property Act was, was in the news at the time. And, you know, through that reporting, I started learning more about just the long history of discrimination against black farmers and and other farmers of color. Um, And just, you know, reading a lot of the academic work around this as well. Um, And when I came to the center of public integrity about a year ago, I took on the racial equity beat, uh, which is an entirely new beat for the center. And um, so I have the opportunity to really build it from the ground up. Um, And because I had done that rural issues work at my previous job, I wanted to build on that and look at the intersection of rural and racial equity because, you know, racial equity isn't just an urban issue. Um, And that's, I mean, it was, it was, you know, kind of a combination of personal interests and also just, you know, through racial equity, covering racial equity, having the opportunity to build on the rural issues reporting that I'd done before. Um, And, you know, obviously over the past year, the debt relief issue has been um, timely and and newsy and obviously so multi-layered with, um, you know, the Biden administration centering racial equity in its policy and programs and 
end funding from day one. Um, the president signed an executive order to that effect on, on the first day. And, um, you know, there's just so much at stake. And the story of black farmers and farmers of color just hits on so many other big issues like, you know, the wealth gap and, and economic inequality. So that's, that's why I'm doing it. I can hear you, Mr. Stovall. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I was I was on mute. I'm sorry. Thank you, um, Mr. Stovall. He just finished uh, being interviewed by Northwestern University there in Evanston, Illinois, and the story that he told to them appeared. This past at uh, appeared in USDA USA Today, uh, and it covered um, what was going on uh, and what happened to him. And um, it was very interesting that this story was also uh, because the pictures didn't go with the story. They reran the story. And it appeared in the uh, mid-deal news because uh, the picture and the video was not included. And, uh, Mr. Sobel, can you tell us um, what what do you think is the biggest problem and how did you become uh, an interviewee by – the Northern University, and what did you find and share with our listening audience uh, some of the things that you brought out in the story? Good good evening, uh, listening audience. Thank you, Marty, for having us today, and thank you, Mr. Lucas, for doing a good hosting job here. Um, Actually, um, the Northwestern um, Journalists got in touch with me because of uh, Mr. Lucas re, uh, referred them to some of the farmers that was out here that was still in the struggle, trying to get their cases heard, trying to get justice, not only for that farmer, but all farmers across the United States of America. Um, the USDA have destroyed many uh, black families um, for many, many years, and they failed to address the the systemic problem, and um, it goes from president to president, Congress to Congress, and nobody refused to address the ongoing issue that has destroyed many families' lives. And most families now, well, a lot of the farmers have passed away, even got health problems like myself, uh, because of the struggle that you had endured for actually me for 29 years. Uh, with a finding of discrimination to breach a settlement agreement. And you can't breach a settlement agreement without continuing to discriminate against me and destroying my life and my kids' lives. So this this debt relief process that could have been done a long time ago, 
because they know exactly that they ran these farmers out of business, left them with extremely large amount of debt, and your interest is higher than the debt you owe. Like uh, my situation, I owe 400000 I got $466,000 in interest because of the chicken houses that never got in operation because of discrimination um, at the hands of the USDA. They destroyed my buildings. Um <laughs> during that period of time and killed my livestock and everything. So those things goes on. As, as some people might, you know, be shocked to realize it, but it happens every day in the black community when it comes down to black farmers getting justice, when it comes down to black farmers' cases being heard properly because the USDA Office of Civil Rights are very dysfunctional. They are not willing to resolve cases based on the merits of the case. They sit there and have a nun finding after keeping your case in their office for two or three years and come up with a nun finding, knowing all the time that you have a finding. So those are the things that the agency do to destroy black families across the United States of America. I have seen so many farmers die because of the racial discrimination that the USDA have brought up on them. I've seen so many families broke up and, you know, you know, just because the, the husband want a farm. When you a farmer, it's in your heart. It's in your it's in your spirit. It's something that you love to do. It's tilt the soil. But the USDA have broken that for many black families and it's trillions of dollars been lost in income and land because of discrimination at the USDA. Okay, thank you very much. Uh Mr. Stowall, um we during the conversation period after we um, bring on uh, Mr. Lord Wright, um, I would like for you to interject some of your feelings about this legislation uh, in a little more detail. You did touch on it, but as you know, we're in this um, period uh, where they're trying to decide on whether they're going to pass this uh, budget resolution that Biden has, which has an impact on farmers or maybe tell us why it will not have an impact on farmers. But um, let's move on to, and I hope uh, Mr. Lloyd Wright is, is, have you joined us, Mr. Wright? Mm. Lloyd Wright? Uh, Lloyd Wright is, uh, he would be calling in on 301-221-3423. Marty, is it possible we can get him on? Marty? Um, let me see if I can call Mr. Wright and maybe get him on my phone and maybe have him participate via my phone if he can't get in. Let me see. Because um, I definitely want him on the line because he's – he has played such a major role in civil rights at USDA as an employee as well as others, um, as a advocate and an expert on what goes on at USDA. Plus, Mr. Wright is also a farmer. So let me see if I can get Mr. Wright on the other line and maybe uh, lock him in while um, this is going on. Um, I'm sorry to say that um, we did get a chance to talk to him 
just before, and let's see what seems to be the problem. Yes. Yeah, I'm, but I in on, I'm down at the country. I called in on my uh, 804 uh, 493 0457. That's the number I called in on. Okay. My line down here. Okay, well, um, um, did you call 917 388 4520? Correct. Okay, and you couldn't get in? I'm in. I can hear you, but you can't hear me. Okay, well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to leave you on my, we're going to do, let's take this technology that we have and use it to our benefit. Uh, okay. What I'm going to do, uh, Mr. Wright, I'm going to leave you on my cell phone, and uh, we're, we're going to keep on moving the show along, okay? Okay. All right. Okay. Well, well, Mr. Wright, I want to thank you for being on and, and being a guest with us tonight, um, and I know you've been busy uh, working uh, very hard with trying to uh, get some clarity on how black farmers are going to benefit from this bill that's uh, being discussed. Uh, but let me tell our listening audience who you are. And Lord Wright has spent 40-some years uh, and now retired from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Uh, he has been – he worked in uh, natural resources and conservation, and he's been a – help in terms of uh, seeking out and making sure that minorities, especially blacks, uh, benefit from the programs and services at USDA. Uh, Mr. Wright is, has been a long supporter of civil rights at USDA, and he became the civil rights director at USDA. And uh, he, since retiring recently, a couple years ago, um, he has been an advocate and working with, and I'll let him explain what those organizations are, but he's been very active in making sure that farmers and making sure their programs available, and he'll tell you some of the organizations he's been working with. Um, I can't say enough about the contributions that he has made in our joint effort with Tracy McCurdy, uh, Wayman Henson, and himself, and the USDA Coalition and the Justice for Black Farmer Group. He has been a strong supporter of civil rights. He's been a strong supporter of black farmers and minority farmers. And, Lord, I, want, I can't say enough about your contribution, but can you tell us uh, why you have been so engaged both while you were at USDA and while you've been retired as far as USDA and its civil rights and its programs and services. And thanks for being on, by the way. Okay. Well, thanks for inviting me. I'm sorry to be a little bit late. I'm calling. I'm down at my farm, and I called in using the, my line down here, but that's okay. I'm glad to be on. And um, and uh, let, let me um, talk a little bit uh, about what what's going on and, and and the kind of support we have for trying to put together some strategies to 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 ensure that black farmers uh, finally get some help 
the initial uh, uh, American Rescue Plan uh, included about 3,100 black farmers for that write-off. And as you know, because of lawsuits, that's on a whole. Uh, hopefully this budget resolution they're getting ready to do will amend that and include language that not race-based, uh, but hopefully will still include black farmers. And uh, Monday of this week, uh, a copy of the plan that's being considered was leaked. And, and uh, it give, gave a number of us heartburn in that uh, they have eight conditions that uh, you can meet any one of to get in. Uh, and, I'm, and a number of us are not convinced that it will include that many black farmers. And that uh, it, it talks about uh, some of the items are good. You know, for example, if you're paying more interest in principal or if you're in a poverty area, we are concerned with that because in the Delta you have poverty areas, but the farmers are quite well off and they're white farmers who are quite well off. Uh, there's, uh, uh, if you are 90 days behind on your loan, you would be covered. Um, and if you had your loans reconstructed, you would be covered three times in the last three years, I think it was. Uh, and I'm not sure that would include many blacks. So our real concern is that if you write a definition that covers a number of people but leaves blacks out, it'll be similar to what we got on the Pickford, where blacks in the end got left out. So our, our first concern is that we get in the room to, to get some of the benefits, and we have to fit in one of the definitions. And we have made some recommendations on, on a definition that would cover um, all black farmers and, and, and other minorities as well. And we're working trying to get that done. The, the second concern we have with the revised bill uh, is that uh, it doesn't include enough money for direct payments to farmers. Uh, a lot of money is going to third parties who may very well uh, do some trickle-down and help a few black farmers here and there. But uh, given uh, providing direct payments to farmers, uh, we, we feel they need to triple the amount of money that's being allocated uh, to be even adequate for a good start. So we've made that recommendation. And, and the third one is that in the first bill, uh, farmers were going to get 120% of their debt, with the 20 percent being set aside to help with federal taxes. That provision is not included in the revised bill. So a farmer uh, with uh, $800,000 debt could get the debt, you know, forgiven and then get a bill for the tax portions of that, uh, which might, I don't know, depending on your situation, could be a couple hundred thousand dollars. And without funds, uh, we would just be sending the farmer from being in debt to USDA to being in debt with IRS. So those those are the three major things that we think need to be fixed. The, the original bill was not perfect, and we had some heartburn with that as well. The revised one is much worse. 
So we're hoping that uh, the people who are working on this bill will make those corrections before they pass it and send it on. So that those are our major concerns. And, and in terms of organizations, uh, 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 Lawrence, as you well know, uh, the uh, Policy Center, Social Disadvantaged Farm and Rancher Policy Center at Oakland State University, um, you know, has a board of about 25 members. Uh, they have reviewed the policies that, you know, your organizations and a handful of others here in Washington uh, have helped put together. And they have endorsed the definitions and and the policy that we put together uh, for trying to help black farmers. And, and that has been provided to the department and to others that we are working with. Uh, so there's a number of, of organizations trying to help black farmers. Uh, and, and hopefully uh, we can get the right people to listen uh, so we can get some of these policies in. So I think, uh, you know, maybe for, for you know, background, that that's enough. And if there's a question, uh, Lawrence, I'll answer it. Okay. We, we, thank you very much, uh, because we're going to have a conversation about that. Uh, Ms. Simpson, uh, in your story, you talked about you were very clear and uh, defining uh, just what um, is going on around this whole idea of uh, black farmers now being challenged in court. Um, I would like for you to touch on that a bit and, and where you, what your thinking is on that. But there's another thing that came up very recently, and there's a possibility, and, and Mr. Wright can tell you if I'm right or wrong, that, uh, that this bill that's being considered has, in fact, removed the definition uh, or, or may, the definition that covers black farmers would not allow them to get uh, debt relief. Uh, Lord, uh, am I correct in saying that, Lord, before uh, Ms. Simpson uh, speaks? Uh, you're correct. Now, let me clarify some of the background things we've been hearing. It's that those who received uh, payments under uh, Payfoot or any other settlement agreement, would not be eligible for additional. Um, and, 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 and some people are floating that as a, as a legal position. If that turns out to be the case, that would be a disaster. Uh, but but uh, I think it depends on how, how you want to interpret uh, the agreement that was signed by uh, people who received either a settlement on the Pickford or settlement uh, administrative settlement, they, they, they signed a release that they would not uh, seek or accept or be expected to get additional uh, relief uh, under that provision. Well, they, they are not getting additional relief from Pigfoot or from administrative settlement. This is a new uh, action that's being created, and, and I, I'm not sure that someone is not trying to be over, overly aggressive and, and trying to ensure that uh, anyone who's received any past relief, although it was partial, cause as you well know, they didn't get debt relief, um, that they can't get additional. So, yes, we are concerned with that. But none of that's written in any of these bills. These are some of the legal interpretations that people are floating around. 
Okay. Uh, okay. So, you, you, so I hope I've cleared that a bit on what, what yeah. is being discussed. Okay. Well, just for clarification, um, doesn't in 005, doesn't uh, the need for a, a definition that will cover black farmers to say that uh, underserved farmers as well as farmers who have filed complaints at USDA, uh, give, what do you think about that clarification, and what does it what does that mean to you? Yeah, well, if we were to put that in, uh, it would correct the problem. And the truth of the matter is, if we were to put in unders, uh, tradition, uh, traditionally underserved uh, farmers and ranchers, that would cover 100 uh, percent of the people we are concerned with. Uh, we haven't been able to get that in. So that's the definition we would like to see put in. Uh, it, that is not race-based, although part of that definition would include race, uh, would relate to race. But the definition itself would include many other groups. Uh, and so we're hoping that they'll – actually, they're using that for 1006 already. They're using uh, – uh, historically underserved farmers, we'd like to see them use that in 1005. And then that would take care of our first issue, and that at least all black farmers would get in the door uh, for benefits. What about the issue of uh, adding also uh, farmers that have filed complaints at USDA? Wouldn't, wouldn't yeah. that uh, help to make sure that uh, we get a larger number of black farmers? Uh, yes. Uh, however, if uh, if we were to use uh, underserved, we might have them all covered. But if we cannot get that, then we would like to have, and we did include in our proposal, that farmers who filed a complaint uh, would be included. And some have questioned that just filing a complaint in itself doesn't mean you're discriminated against. But as you well know, uh, Lawrence, from uh, past compliance reviews that has been made, uh, we find that we found in one area uh, where there were a few complaints filed, we did a compliance review and found that there were many, many more people discriminated against who didn't file, and the, and the majority of them did not file. Only a handful of people will end up filing a formal complaint. So it would be grossly cut in terms of the actual people who have been discriminated against if you do that. But that would bring in another group of people. You're absolutely correct. And, and, and I'm not concerned, and I don't think we need to be concerned, that, that, um, that, that, that people would abuse that because we can say as of a set date so that you can't now file a complaint trying to get in under that provision. Uh, we can say as of January 1st of this year. So you can't uh, file a, a, a complaint today and try to say, now I have a complaint. So, yes, we have proposed doing that. And, and they use that to some extent in 1006. So 1006 includes that. And, 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 you, and, you, and that uh, the allocation of those funds and uh, the item now, that used to be item five, but uh, the last uh, item where you can provide direct payments, that is based on discrimination. But 1005 is not. 
that that's what's given is not based on discrimination of any kind. But yes, we would like to get that in as well. Okay. And we had also planned and wanted at one time to put in any farmer that was a member of a certified class uh, uh, based on discrimination. And therefore, all the Pigfoot farmers would be in. Okay. Okay. But we, we haven't gotten that either. Okay. Thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, Ms. Simpson, uh, you wrote uh, a, a very clear and uh, short but detailed about what you saw in your investigation. Um, with, based on what Mr. Wright has said, does that, uh, are there any questions that you have or is there anything that he said that contradicts um, uh, pretty much what you wrote and, and, and your findings? Um, no, no. Um, I mean, I, I learned from him just now about some of the things that are, are going on on the Hill and um, some of the things that you're, or Mr. Wright's advocating for. Um, my story looked at, talked with some legal experts um, about the wider ramifications of of what could happen if these legal challenges were to reach the Supreme Court. And um, the consensus among them was that, you know, this is a conservative court um, that hasn't decided any cases related to affirmative action yet, but the court would likely see this as an affirmative action program. Um, so, you know, they're, they're, uh, they basically said this isn't something that um, – probably the administration or, or the Justice Department wants to see move, you know, move ahead. Um, so that was kind of the, the bigger, I guess, the, the larger point of, of what, what was at stake. Okay. The other thing that you mentioned in your story uh, that was published in uh, USDA Today um, Okay, I'm getting them mixed up. And in the and uh, your organization's uh, uh, newsletter, um, it talked about systemic uh, racism. When you were addressing uh, systemic racism, what what is your understanding of the the systemic discrimination uh, based on your research at USDA? Um. Well, you know, some of the, the experts that I talked to in that piece, you know, talked about how there are, you know, ways in which um, agencies like USDA overinvest in programs that, you know, benefit white farmers and, you know, don't invest as much in programs that benefit black farmers and farmers of color. Um, and I think, you know, when we talk about systemic discrimination and we think about economic inequality and the, and the racial wealth gap, it's, you know, an example of the ways in which these historic inequities complicate actions in the present. Um, you know, property loss, that's been, um, you know, a big problem in, in rural black communities and in the rural South is, you know, a loss of transferring generational wealth. So, um, you know, that's sort of how I see these, these broader systemic issues and, and kind of what the experts I spoke with uh, pointed to. Okay. Thank you. 
Um, Mr. Stowell, are you still there? I know you weren't feeling uh, well when you got on. Are you still there, Michael? Yes, sir. I'm still here. Okay. Um, Michael, I have a, I have a question. Um, based on what you're hearing and based on what you know, and you keep abreast of what is going on, uh, what do you think about this whole issue of debt relief uh, um, and, and black farmers maybe not getting debt relief, the challenges from the court, and the systemic discrimination. Can you speak to that uh, or as much of that as possible? Yeah. Um, these are things that should have been happened a long time ago. Pickford one should have brought justice to the black farmers to give them debt relief. Um, they didn't pay them anything, um, and they refused to give them track B. You know, a lot of them had more uh, damages than 250000 and they made sure that they didn't get anything. So I think it's really sad that this federal government that we all pay taxes in and black farmers and the farmers of color cannot get justice in this system, but they can pay white farmers billions of dollars for crop losses, disaster programs, and that's the biggest welfare in the country. And when it comes down to... Uh, in quality for black farmers, we are very we are denied from administration to administration. They refuse to follow the law, and the Justice Department uphold the wrongdoing of the agency, and that's what normally happens to black farmers. And if we don't get this debt relief process, you know, a lot of black farmers will be foreclosed on, including myself, because they ran me out of business many years ago. Um, those are the problems that I have a problem with this agency and everybody want to dance around the problem and not address the full issue of what's really going on. Because if we got the Justice for Black Farmers Act bill passed, that would put the black farmers back in position where we can have our own process and plant, our own uh, packets and plant for vegetables and fruits and stockyards. So, those are the things that needs to happen. We're so far behind on the totem pole, we'll never catch up with just giving small pieces of legislation and not giving the large piece to make to make these farmers hold again so they can continue to farm. And there's so many farmers now, it's passed over. So we're looking at a whole new generation of farmers that we need to try to put in business. And if And until we can get some some clarification of what's going to really happen and how it needs to happen, we'll be extinct. But they can, you know, they can take care of the spotted owl, the elephant and the giraffe and everybody else. But when it comes down to people in color, we they refuse to do the right thing by us. So just like we didn't get the 40 acres in the mule, you know, it's just ongoing discrimination at the hands of the government. Um, but tell me also, uh, what do you think about this when you hear the word systemic discrimination? Um, and you've been involved with the farmers and employees. Um, do you think that systemic discrimination, because some people don't believe it exists at USDA, just like uh, uh, other issues we're dealing with in our society, um, do, do, what do you feel about this whole you being a farmer, and what do you think when people say systemic discrimination? Um, 
the Secretary of Agriculture would probably say there is no systemic discrimination at USDA. Uh, what would you say to that, a statement like that? Well, the Secretary is very aware of the systemic racism at the USDA, and USDA has a pattern of systemic racism. If you don't follow their guidelines, they retaliate against you. Uh, and what I mean by that, following their guidelines, uh, if they don't deny you a program that they know you qualified for or either hold the program up to keep you from getting it in a timely process, in a timely manner, they, they, they blackmail you. So those are the things that the agency been doing for many, many years, just like the firefighter girls out in California, you know, when they reported about rape and um, sexual abuse and all that kind of stuff, they was retaliated against. Those are the things that this agency has been doing for many years. I've been in this movement for 29 years, and I have seen a lot of things that the USDA have done or is killing folks' cows, not giving them loans in a timely manner. If you plow for a loan in December and you're supposed to get it in April, you won't get no loan into August. And it's too late in the planting season to get anything in the ground. Then they give you less amount of the money that you require for knowing all the time that you qualify for the program. Those are the things they do to keep you and run you out of business so you can get behind on your notes and not being able to survive so they can take your land. That's the systemic problem, part of the systemic problem. It's just a good old boy network, and they put a few people that looks like me and you in office to conduct the same problem, and that's a problem in itself. When they got black people that are sitting up in offices of civil rights and knowing that they have the finding, but they can't tell you that you have a finding of discrimination because it's conflict of interest in their job. Those are the things that this agency has been doing for many, many years and upholding the wrongdoing of the government and the Justice Department plays a part because they're getting paid by the USDA to score you. Oh, thank you very much. Um, Ms. Simpson, do you have any questions? Um, based on what you heard from Mr. Wright and Mr. Stovall, do you have any questions of either one of them? Um, for Mr. Stovall, I was wondering how anticipating that relief earlier this spring um, affected, you know, you and your work and, and your decision-making at that time because, you know, I understand there's so much planning that goes into farming. You know, did it did it affect any of, of your planning and, um, yeah, how yeah, have you been able to move forward? Well, I hadn't been able to move forward. I'm on a standstill. You know, I'm on disability because of back injuries, because of overworking myself and uh, working two jobs and trying to run three farms. Um, you know, I'm on disability now. So my plans were to just got a few cows left to, uh, that my father had, and my plans was to uh, clean up the property, get the fences in order, nice and, and buy a tractor because my tractors are broke down. So it done, you know, and things that I need to do are repairing the house and, you know, and things that needs to happen. And that money, because I don't draw but $794 a money in disability. So I don't have any disability. So I'm pinching pennies just to survive. Um, those are the type of things that they do. You know, uh, those two chicken houses that um, they're supposed to have been up and running, 
uh, when you calculate the chicken house for the life of the chicken house for 25 years, that's over $4 million, not counting the additional chicken house that's supposed to have been built. Each year they held up my loan to keep me from getting into operation. My loan was approved on, on March the 6th of 1998. I didn't get no money into November of 98. I didn't get no additional money until December the 26th of 99. So they can, each year, my five years can exhaust itself. So I lost several tracts of land because of discrimination. They killed my cows, run me off the farm, put me in jail, brought me up on animal cruelty. Those are the things that they do to black farmers. Just like Mr. Harry Young, his farm has been paid for for 27 years or 27, eight years or whatever they may say. And the USDA had put the money in a treasury department, a treasury account, never applied the money to the debt so they can foreclose on the farm. So those are the things they do to run black farmers out of business all across the United States. This is a big problem. And then when you you got the Congress, people don't want to do the right thing to address the problem of the black farmers. It's a problem. But you can give 80 and 90 and $100 billion to white farmers to buy more equipment. We can't even have a decent tract on the farm. Those are the things that they can do to us. We can't even go to the stockyard and sell our livestock and get a decent price for them. You can't wow. even go to the granary and get decent price for your grain. So it's a big problem all across this United States of America. Okay, thank you very much. Um, Ms. Simpson, did he answer all your questions? Do you have another question? No, he, he did answer my question. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Strobel. Okay, thank you. Um, Lord, uh, Mr. Wright, you've been uh, involved with USDA for a long time and and still to this day. Um can you explain to our listening public and uh, and to uh, especially Ms. Simpson, who is new at this subject, can can you explain what you see as a major problem as it relates to systemic discrimination? And as just like I said to uh, Mr. Stovall, now there there are people at USDA that feel as though there is no systemic discrimination, and we have our leaders who are supposed to be protecting us and organizations throughout uh, that are supposed to be protecting farmers, and you've got employee groups inside the USDA who don't uh, protect employees. Just how serious is this systemic discrimination based on your experience and what we are still going through today at USDA? Farmers and employees, for that matter. Well, I, I, I don't have that. the farmer situation. Uh, the fact that we have county committees uh, making decisions at the local level, uh, whether it's hiring or uh, at one time they even had more direct input and in who got loans. Uh, it's a, really a situation where. The only people who can vote for those committees are the producers in the county. And 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 and, and, and when we did the crap report, uh, we found that 95% of the county committeemen were white males. So they normally take care of themselves, their family, and their friends. And blacks happen not to be one of the above. And 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 it is clear. And 
and it was documented in the 1982 Commission on Civil Rights report that the county committee system was not working for people of color. Now, the, 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 the way that that should be checked is that the farmer should be able to file a complaint, and the Office of Civil Rights would investigate. And if county committees were discriminating, you, you would investigate and hopefully adjudicate and uh, settle with the farmer and take action to clean up the discrimination. But for most of the last 40 years, the Office of, uh, the Office of Civil Rights have been dysfunctional. It's really been dysfunctional for the last 20 years. Uh, and as you well know, when I became director, we didn't have investigators. Uh, during the time that I was director, I hired back the 14 investigators that were uh, removed under the uh, Reagan administration. And, and so it depends on who is running the department, uh, on how long it takes to dismantle the Office of Civil Rights. So for all practical purposes, neither the employees or the farmers have a place to go to to, to, to get a hearing and to get justice. Uh, filing a complaint with the Office of Civil Rights is like throwing it in the, in, in the trash can. And that is very unlikely that they'll do anything with it. So both of those need to be fixed, Lawrence, for the, for, for the overall civil rights employees and farmers. We need a functional uh, office of civil rights, and I'm not sure that can be done and leave it in the department. It, maybe we'll have to put it in receivership and move it out to someone else to manage because having been there and watched how they dismantle it and, and, and make it dysfunctional and, 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 and go after the wrong thing. Some of them, there is a, a discrimination problem. They think there's a lack of education, that if we were to train these county and local folk um, not to discriminate, we'd solve the problem. Uh, if that's the way you come at it, uh, you, we're never going to get it done. So I would say there were the two major things. The, the local control that doesn't work for people of color. And then the Office of Civil Rights, which should help both employees and farmers, is, is dysfunctional. Oh, thank you very much. Um, Marty, um, I know you are in and out. Uh, I know how busy yes. you are. Marty, uh, do you have any uh, – you've been listening. Uh, do you have any questions uh, to any of our um, members on, on our guests tonight? Well, I guess what what bothers me, Lawrence, is this has gone on and documentedly so for decades and through several presidencies and through various uh, political parties controlling the House and the Senate, and everybody's always going to fix things. I told you when they put Vilsack back in there, uh, it just made the hair stand up on the back of my neck. Uh, this man is about no good purpose, and uh, he sold that to my, he's a persona on gratis in Iowa as old, and there's you, 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 as far as educating people about civil rights, these people know already. They know um, they couldn't have been hired for the jobs they're in had they not known. They know exactly when they're stepping on somebody's toes, when they're acting in a fashion that isn't 
prescribed in their job description. They know when they've discriminated. They know when they take those complaints and shell them and walk away and don't respond to them. They know exactly what they're doing. So I don't think you can train them to appreciate somebody else's civil rights. Um, They're doing what they do for, for a purpose. You have to figure out what that purpose is if you're even interested. My question is this. While all of this is going on, I've been watching Avis announcements. They have deregulated corn. They have deregulated soy, GMO. Deregulated GMO apples are going down the line. At the same time, Bill Gates is sucking up so much farmland. He owns over 300,000 acres of prime farmland in this country. This man is a danger to humanity, in my opinion. But you need to find out what the correlation is there, how much influence he has at the USDA, because believe me, from all the research I do, he has his fingers in everything, and as we all know, money talks. Um, but there is there is a connection there somewhere. But uh, I think, Mr. Wright, your suggestion that it go into receivership is probably the best one out there. Um, it needs to be taken away from this crew that's occupying it now and run like an actual government agency, a business that is not for profit. It's to serve the public. But here again, this is a privately owned corporation. It's registered on Dun & Bradstreet, generates its own credit score, and it is contracted to the federal government as a non-governmental agency by contract. And so we've had these people in the House and Senate stand up and say we can advise them, but we cannot tell them what to do. That's because they're privately owned. So there's a lot to be threaded through here. There's a lot to be sorted out. But I, Mr. Wright, like I say, I'll just conclude with saying I think your suggestion that it go into receivership, if it can even be saved at this point, and see if it doesn't improve. Okay. Thank you very much, Marty. I, I do have an uh, – for, and thank you for that input as well. Um, Ms. Simpson, um, in your reporting – did you come up with any recommendations to offer? Um, and we have about six minutes left, and I'd like to know in, in one or two minutes, do you have any uh, – did you all come up with any recommendations or solutions to the problem at USDA, or you, your, your, your research and your – which come didn't go that far? I – yeah, I don't – I don't <laughs> – I don't have any recommendations for USDA. Sorry. Um, yeah, I feel like Mr. Wright or, or Mr. Sobal are, are in a better position to answer that. Okay. Okay. And thank you. Um, uh, Michael um, Sobal, do you have any quick uh, – we only have about six minutes left. Um, do you have any recommendations uh, real quickly – that uh, you think would solve USDA's problem? Yeah, um, actually, the first beginning is getting Congress involved with um, the injustice that the agency has caused for black farmers. And the next thing is dismantling the Office of Civil Rights in the OGC and allowing an outside entity to govern the Office of Civil Rights in their cases. Um, because if not, you know, and also these loan offices in these local counties that's holding up these loans and not approving them in a timely manner, 
of those is the problem. So it's so many things that, you know, if they, if you apply for a loan and you apply for your loan in December and it's crop applying time in March, your loan should be approved in January. Your loan should be able, you should be able to get your loan in a timely manner to get your crop in the ground. Those are the things that need to happen. It needs to oversee. And, you know, they need to be put in a receivership and it needs to oversee to oversight the agency and hold them accountable. And, you know, they put people like me and you that looks like us in these offices to just to show that they're trying to do some injustice. And But they train these people like the way they want, it to be, want them to be trained. If they don't follow through, they get rid of them. So those are the things that this agency has um, a known fact of doing. And it's destroying minority families' lives. And if they can keep doing that, it won't be no black farmers across the country. Okay. Thank you very much. I, I think what you are referring to, we have about four more minutes left. Um, I think you're referring to a slave mentality that exists in and around USDA. Uh, Mr. Wright, do you have, um, is there anything else you would like to, uh, in, a, in about a minute and a half, Add to the solutions uh, before I before I give a big thank you in closing. Uh, no, I, I think I think that no, I, uh, I I think the items that I pointed out I think is what need to be done, and I think you almost need to put it in receivership because every time they try to rebuild it, the next administration come in and dismantle it. So I think it needs to go outside of the department. Okay, thank you very much. Um, we only have about uh, three minutes left, and I want to close by saying this has been a very productive uh, conversation. And I want to thank uh, Ms. April Simpson from Public Integrity Organization uh, for coming on tonight. I thank you so very much. I want to thank uh, Michael Stovall, Black Farmer. As usual, you have been uh, clear and articulate in every sense of the word. And I also want to thank uh, Mr. Lloyd Wright for taking time out of your busy schedule as well this late in the evening to come and speak and address these issues for our listening public. I want to say thank you to all three. I think uh, your comments and all have been superb, and I look forward to having you on at, a, at another time. So, Marty, I'm done. I thank you very much, uh, yep. Marty. Uh, for having us on. Okay. Thank you, Mark. I thought it was an excellent show, too. Lots of uh, good information coming out. And this is what people need to hear, what's really happening, not the crap they spoon out about, you know, we've had a successful year and everybody's doing great. No, that's not true. So these shows are important to expose what's really happening. As always, my biggest problem with all of this is that at this day and time, we are still dealing with racism. Um, I'm of an age, my birthday's tomorrow, by the way. Um, I was on those here in Atlanta. <laughs> Thanks. I, in Atlanta, I was on the civil rights protests at Peachtree and Ponce de Leon, face down with the Klan. I thought we were past all of this. And here we are. It's, it, Lawrence, I think you said it most succinctly. It hasn't changed, Marty. It's just become more sophisticated. And you're absolutely right. I want to thank everyone who was our guest this evening, Michael, uh, Lloyd, and um, 
this young lady that was on. I'm sorry. Ms. My mind slipped. Yes, I'm old, you guys. <laughs> and Lauren, <laughs> especially to you for hosting these shows. I uh, hope everybody has a good evening. And remember, these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit, an annual event in Washington, D.C. And I don't know that we'll ever all be there, there again. Apparently, from what I understand, the government isn't even in Washington. They're hiding out somewhere. You're cowards. And, uh, but anyway, everybody have a good evening. Lawrence, again, thank you. And we'll talk to you all next month. Okay. Thank you very much thank for you. having us. And thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all of you and all my guests. Bye-bye.